0: Welcome to Percolating Perspective, your podcast to adore and apply American culture and the Western way of life to your life. We have a jam-packed show for you today that you do not want to miss. Take the time today, if you would, to subscribe and leave us a five-star review anywhere this podcast can be found. Thank you so much for listening and being such a dedicated part of our work here at Percolating Perspective. day's drip is eerily good and will drive you crazy here i sit in the parlor in a nice big leather wingback chair sipping my coffee (sighs) the breeze blowing some leaves around outside my window doing some reflecting here on a darker side of american literature and culture today but to accompany that i am sipping on a dark roast today I typically drink a medium roast, but today I'm going dark roast to honor the darker side of American culture. Today's coffee is Beyond Black by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Not only is this a powerful and punch packing coffee, but it is brought to us by a really cool company. Black Rifle is, is a really unique company, veteran owned. They do a lot of uh, veteran philanthropy. Uh, You know, Wounded Warriors and uh, several great organizations they support. Uh, I'll let you do some research on your own time uh, uh, to the company, but a really cool, interesting company. And if you've never been in one of their retail fronts, it is a must-see. They are really cool, very unique. Beyond Black, though, in my opinion, is designed to be sipped straight black. It is made to put hair on your chest. You have to be careful, though, when you're brewing it, because the flavor... Can easily get away from you it is it is really it is a true dark roast it is it's very dark which the dark roasts tend to be more bitter uh, and have more caffeine uh, so it can be easily overmeasured when you're putting it into the filter uh, like I said a minute ago I typically drink a medium roast uh, and I'll generally put about a tablespoon and a half maybe of grounds per two cups of water which is slightly stronger than what you'll get at you know mcdonald's or you know most gas stations i guess but i can't take this one on that ratio Uh, call me what you will but it is it's dynamite in a bag i mean it, it this is you know it's great coffee but it is strong um but you know hey to each his own some people like dark some people won't drink a medium they think it's too too weak but you know hey again to each his own you know, it's a good cup of coffee. Just make it a little bit less strong. You know, don't, don't mix it like you mix a, a medium roast. But anyway, a dark roast for a dark side of American culture. Um, not, not dark in a necessarily bad way, but more dark in the sense of emotion. Today, as a gesture to the end of October traditions of Halloween, we take a stroll through some very intriguing work. Halloween has been a very controversial topic in America for centuries, and still is a very divided issue among Christians for a good reason. While our purpose here today, though, is not to take a stance one way or the other on the issue, I felt it would be fun to talk about some of the enormously impactful literary and performing arts that are commonly associated with Halloween, and this exciting and fun time of the year. And I'm going to take another quick cup of coffee. Excuse me, sip. I am out. All right, so the father of what we would call the American horror story or the creepy tale is none other than Edgar Allan Poe, one of the first celebrity types in America who was actually able to see some of his popularity before he died. However, he could never have dreamed of the impact and notoriety he would eventually achieve. For our football fans, the NFL team, the Baltimore Ravens, is actually named after one of Poe's most famous works, the Raven. Uh, Baltimore was Poe's hometown, and so I'm sure they felt it fitting to name it the Ravens. I will say, I think Ray Rice took the telltale heart a little too seriously. Uh, Much to Ray's surprise, it is much more difficult to put someone beneath the floor of an elevator than beneath your neighbor's house. But, I digress. Edgar Allan Poe has a very checkered reputation. Most believe him to have been mad, uh, or actually insane. A lot of people think he was nuts. He was insane. Like, he was actually certifiably crazy. But, as with many larger-than-life characters of American history, I believe that much of his reputation has been fabricated, uh, mostly by jealous, competing authors, uh, but more on that here in a little bit. Um, This is pretty common, actually. So if you've ever heard of the baseball player Ty Cobb, Ty Cobb has a reputation of having been a real jerk. He was horrible. In fact, I've even heard call people a Ty Cobb, meaning you're a jerk. You're a Ty Cobb. Um, There is an investigative reporter that actually did some work on the Jerry Sandusky and Joe Paterno stuff back in the day with Penn State. Uh, his name is uh, John Ziegler. I encourage you to look up his his work. He's an independent investigative journalist. He's done some sort of, I guess we'll call it cold case work, on uh, Ty Cobb and has gone back and actually looked at some uh, some things that were written by his team and by his family and by his coach. And t- believe it or not, Ty Cobb is the exact opposite of what everybody makes him out to be and believes him to be he it was beloved by his teammates and even by opposing teams uh, and his coach his family they dearly loved Ty Cobb but there was a a sports reporter that did not like him had a bad incident with him and from that day forward just wrote slanderous and libelous stuff about about Ty Cobb and that's where everybody, everybody believed it and they you know thought he was a dirtbag and you know that's the power the media has but again i digress uh poe was edgar Allan poe was born in boston in 1809 this means that poe would have been born while thomas jefferson was president and poe would actually later attend university of virginia which was founded by jefferson he did, however, he gave up pretty quickly. He gave up after a year after realizing that he wasn't too fond of Richmond. And probably the, um, you know, being from Baltimore, Richmond was probably a culture shock for him. Uh, he also found out that his fiance had married another person in his absence. So, also not good. He quickly became somewhat destitute, and he decided that to make some money, he would take some jack-of-all-trade type jobs, even... Uh, at one point writing for a local newspaper. Um, he used the pen name Henri Le René. So, to to put that in American, Henry Le Renet. Poe was not able to keep food on the table doing this, though, so he decided to enlist in the army. Uh, he used the name Edgar Perry, though. He claimed that he was 22, when in reality at the time he was only 18, so already not off to a great start with the military. He began his service at Fort Independence in Boston, and he continued writing uh, and wrote uh, a couple of small uh, books, but he signed them just by a Bostonian. Didn't actually put his name on it. Um, During his first year of military service, he released his first book. Uh, It was called Tamerlane and Other Poems. And after the release of the book, His regiment was then reassigned to Fort Moultrie in Charleston, South Carolina, and he actually did well there. He was promoted to Sergeant Major of Artillery, which at the time was the highest ranking uh, position an NCO could be promoted to, so he did quite well there, and that was only in a two-year period of time. And then he actually went to West Point for a while. However, uh, he decided he wanted to leave and had himself purposely court-martialed to get out. And get this, the charge that was brought against him was not attending formations, classes, and church. Now, to take a brief pause here for just a second and to uh, have somewhat of a sidetrack, I find it truly unbelievable and astonishing that what was standard practice for over 200 years is now considered unconstitutional. We We have now reached the point where it truly... It wouldn't surprise me to hear that West Point had adopted some new rule where you could be court-martialed for going to church. Our military was a God-fearing and God-honoring organization for centuries until our dear, sweet progressives decided it was a good thing to turn our back on the great general, as many of our founders and military leaders have described God throughout American history. Um, And, you know, now we have taken on the god of humanism and self-worship. But, again, I digress. In 1836, Poe uh, landed on his, probably his most odd and what we'll call subpar ideas. He decided to marry his first cousin, Virginia Clem. And to make matters worse... Poe was 28 at the time, while his cousin Bride was only 13 years old. Uh, maybe her parents should have named her Kentucky Clem instead. Just just saying. I mean, that's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, she was 13. He mar- she willingly married her cousin. A much older cousin. I mean... I think that name fits better than Virginia Clem. If we're going to name her after a state, maybe Kentucky Clem. They were married for 11 years until her death of tuberculosis at 24 years old. Most believe that uh, Edgar Allan Poe's extraordinarily dark and bleak poetry was the product of not only losing his brother, who died not too long before this, but, I mean, how terrible is it to lose your wife and your first cousin on the same day? especially when it's the same person. Okay, that was a little bit of dark humor there for you. Uh, It's the coffee. It's the dark roast, I think, that's doing that. It's bringing out a little bit of dark humor and a little bit of uh, Kentucky slander. Just to put it, we don't have a lot of listeners in Kentucky. In fact, I don't even know if we have a single one in Kentucky, so, you know, I can do that, right? And if somebody does decide to listen to this podcast from Kentucky for the first time, You can't really argue with me, right, on that? I don't think so. You know what you are. You know know what you are, Kentucky. On a cold, dark night in January of 1842, Virginia began to cough up blood, a common symptom of tuberculosis. She and Poe both immediately recognized her first indication of tuberculosis. Poe later described this incident as quote she uh, had a breaking blood vessel in her throat after her death poe became erratic and developed a severe drinking problem although i don't know how you can get more erratic than marrying your 13 year old first cousin in kentucky clem but again i digress uh let's see october 3rd 1849 poe was found in baltimore and according to the man who found him, Joseph Walker, he was, quote, in great distress and in need of immediate assistance. He died four days later at Washington Medical College at 5 a.m. Poe allegedly repeatedly cried out the name Reynolds the night before his death, but it never has been determined who or what Reynolds was. The physician near him on his deathbed said that his final words were, quote, Lord, Help, my poor soul, end quote. Strangely, all of Poe's medical records have been lost. As a result, his cause of death cannot be determined. Some have speculated syphilis, cholera, even rabies. The most common idea that I could find, though, was that he was killed by a victim of election fraud. Uh, the form of election fraud was called cooping. And essentially what this was you had political gangs that would kidnap people and they would force them to vote a certain way and then they would beat them to a pulp and leave them for dead so they wouldn't talk. Poe's death, much like his literary works, are a dark and weird unexplained mystery. Uh, much of his tattered reputation, wild reputation of insanity, comes from one of Poe's literary nemesis, Rufus Wilmot Griswold, who probably just had, you know, a thorn in his flesh because his name was Rufus, but, I mean, that's a horrible name. Uh, to anybody who's named Rufus, probably living in Kentucky, I will apologize for that one. <laughs> uh, Griswold wrote several misleading, slanderous articles about Poe uh, under a fake name on the day of his death for, and for months after his death. You know, pretty courageous to to slander a dude under a fake name. Uh, Poe, though, from start to finish, Poe was a genuinely weird dude. Uh, But his impact on American culture has been enormous. He is often regarded as the father of American horror stories and dark literature. Um, His works, I mean, The Raven, Telltale Heart, The Cask of Amontillado, The Mask of the Red Death, that's just to name a few... Um, they, they have all given shape to an entire industry of literature that uh, at the time was st- very new to a Puritan-minded American society. Uh, but er- Edgar Allan Poe's works, uh, you can actually go on YouTube and hear many of them, re- uh, they're read by many famous voices like Christopher Lee, um, Orson Welles, who is another one of my heroes. I love Orson Welles and his work. Uh, and even uh, conservative uh, radio personality and Radio Hall of Famer Glenn Beck, who often reads Poe's works uh, on air on the day of Halloween as a self-described family tradition. Uh, I think he said that he, he reads uh, every year he reads it to his daughter, maybe. But anyway. I, so Edgar Allan Poe, uh, again, being the father of uh, the American horror story and, and dark literature in America... Um, there are there are many, many others, though I think as far as authoring, I think Edgar Allan Poe probably takes the cake on that one. Um, there are many that we associate with American horror stories and the dark arts. Not <laughs> the dark arts. We're not talking about like the cult or anything. Uh, but uh, I, um, Vincent Price comes to mind. Oh, man, Vince, Vincent Price. Uh, I mean, he had a probably a sixty-year career of being a a villain, a dark, mysterious, you know, vampire type. he even, he even did it. If you've ever heard the Michael Jackson hit "Thriller," uh, he has a monologue at the end of the song. Um, really, really cool guy. Like Vincent Price, it was very versatile too. In fact, he even did some comedy sketches with Red Skelton back in the '50s. Uh, very, very versatile actor, but he was, of course, very well known for um, uh, his work in, the, in horror movies. Uh, um, another is Orson Welles that I actually just mentioned a few minutes ago. So uh, on October 30th, I think it was in 1934, uh, for Halloween was the, the, the radio broadcast the War of the Worlds. Um, and if you've never heard that story or know much about it, I, first of all, encourage you to go on YouTube and listen to the, the radio broadcast. It's a little long, about an hour or so, but it was, uh, originally aired on, um, of course AM radio is all they had back then, but it was aired as a story and it was about aliens invading the planet earth. But the way Orson Welles put it together uh, Orson Welles, if you've ever seen you know, Citizen Kane, The Third Man, The Stranger, Orson Welles was a brilliant, brilliant man when it came to portraying an idea through a microphone to somebody's imagination, and it even later became just as good on screen um, you know, and he actually preferred the black and white over the color medium. He felt that it was, uh, more expressive and it relied more on the story and less on the actors. But anyway, again, I digress. Orson Welles, uh, the war of the worlds on October 30th, it, there, there's some, there's some debate on what, what the impact of that really was, but, um, we have now radio, Signature. So every so often on the radio, you'll hear them break in. You know, you know, this is WKRG, whatever uh, you're listening to this radio station. Well, that station identifier, uh, most believe that that came as a result of the War of the Worlds broadcast. Uh, Orson Welles had made it so lifelike and so real that people actually believed that Martians were invading. Uh, And invading a small town in New Jersey, they landed there, and the the show starts off um, with it. You know, music playing in the background, an orchestra playing, so it sounds like a true, actual radio broadcast with intermittent news. Uh, updates breaking in on occasion and updating the story starts off with, you know, there's some unexplained explosions on Mars that somebody is seeing through an observatory and progresses all the way to the point where aliens come and completely wipe out the United States. Uh, and people actually thought that was happening because he had made it so real and so lifelike. Uh, and I, I gotta tell you, if you go, I'm telling you, go on YouTube and listen to it. I get it. Like if I, I, mean, if I'm in 1930, radio is relatively new. If I heard it, and if you put yourself in the shoes of somebody in, ni- in the 1930s, it's very convincing. He did a phenomenal job with everything he did, but this particular radio broadcast, I understand why people were freaking out. Um, but, but yeah, uh, Vincent Price, Orson Wells. Um, I mean, there there are many people that uh, are you know, renowned for their work in this, uh, you know, and particularly in the, what we call Halloween type movies. Oh, and again, going back to Cary, again, I love Cary Grant. Um, Take a look at Arsenic and Old Lace. I think you can probably get it on Amazon Prime if you have that, the movie. Uh, But that is a, I won't give that one away because it's such a plot twist, but it's, it's a comedy. But it's sort of a uh, it's a Halloween comedy. So like in the at the very beginning in the titles it tells you that it's it's a Halloween story. But it's a Frank Capra movie. So the same guy that uh, directed um, It's a Wonderful Life uh, and actually did some some uh, documentary work in World War II. The same guy that did. I mean, if you think It's a Wonderful Life, Jimmy Stewart, you know George Bailey, Bailey and John Student Loan, um, Student Loan. <laughs> Building, building and loan. I got the local news on my, or the um, modern news on my head. But anyway, Cary Grant. Uh, check him out on Arsenic and Old Lace. A fascinating movie, great movie. It is very funny, um, but also a um, uh, a good work by Frank Capra. So anyway. Uh, With that said, we're going to end it. Thanks for listening in today. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review as this will move us up in the rankings and the algorithm will put us in other people's feeds. America, I love you. You have produced some amazing people with amazing stories, and I have no doubt you will continue to do so. Until next week. Oh, quick announcement! Next week we are going to have an interview with a, a pastor, Aaron Harris, um, and he will be joining us to talk about um, uh, men's fashion, American style, what that means to him, and what that means to somebody that's in uh, uh, ministry, Christian ministry, and the you know is that a biblical concept? Should Christians be worried about their outward appearance? Uh, It's going to be a great interview. I'm very excited about this. I think you're going to love it. Until next week, I'm your host, Gordon Michael Porter. God bless and have a safe Halloween.